Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Money begins right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, President Trump amping up his rhetoric, taking on the social media giants, Google, Facebook, and Twitter. But what does it mean for the stocks? We've got the details. Plus, check out shares of Tilray, the pot stock that has been on fire since its IPO, smoking hot after its first earnings report. Woo. The CEO just said something moments ago in the closing bell that's got Tim Seymour pounding the table. He'll break it down. But first, with the S&P 500 closing at another record high, we thought it might be time for a little Mission Impossible. Oh. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, with the S&P trading at a forward P.E. of around 17, find value amid the raging Trump trade. With many stocks cheap for a reason, how do you know if you're buying a stock that's a value trade or a value trap? Oh. Well, luckily, we've got a game for that. Of course we do. <laughs> so I'm going to give the traders a name. and They're going to say if it's a value trade or value trap. It's very straightforward. Hopefully no confusion tonight. Uh, Guy, we will start with you. An Apple, which is up 30% this year, a forward price to earnings ratio of 16 and a half. Value trade or value trap? Well, the first thing you said was, though, if you choose to accept it. Or if you understand the or game. Or if I understand the I game. Mean, which I think well, was more relevant for you. Different so story. if I say I don't choose to accept it, you just move on and we move on. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't play. So I got to choose to. So in other so words, you, I just play the game, choose, guy. Yeah. Can you just tell value, me? Value, value. It's value. not a value trap. It's a, and listen, I'm not going to pretend, and I've said this for a while. I haven't been some raging bull. I've been bullish over the years, bearish over the years, wrong, right. But I'll say this. You mentioned 16 and a half times. If you back out cash or if you add cash, it's even lower than that in terms of valuation. And as they get to more of a services business, as revenue continues to grow in that, in that field, now 19% of overall revenues, I think they deserve a bigger valuation. What's a bigger valuation? Maybe an 18, 18 sort of a market multiple gets you a $241 stock. I think KB, Katie Huberty at Morgan Stanley has a $241 price target, and that's the math. So if you think another 20 bucks is within reach, I say value. Well, but that's the question, right? Is Are we going to get some growth out of this? Because right now, the reason, in my view, that it is priced the way it is, it's effectively a utility, right? You're going to continue to buy your phone every couple of years. You're going to pay your bill. It's likely the last thing you're going to get rid of in a recession or anything like that. So it trades similar to a utility. I think that's probably why Warren Buffett likes it, right? He it's likes to buy utility. things that don't change. Sure it is. It, it, it trades like no, that. No, no, no. It's a consumer products company masked as a, as a technology company. And therefore, um, I I, I agree with Guy, but it's not a value trade relative to itself. It's very expensive relative to itself, which means it has to be treated differently. And, and again, I, I think this is a consumer products brand. Um, we know so about the services does business. Does that mean it's a value trade or a value I just wanted to tell Brian yeah. I didn't think it was, it was a utility, utility company. I thought that was, you know, <laughs> yeah. not really the That was great. Analogy. Is there a graphic that fires Sorry. when he says it does. value trade? If trap? somebody <laughs> says something, definitively it will fire, but so far only Guy has said it. I'm just happy that you knew what talking about. Do we have a button for utility? We don't no. have buttons for everything under well, the sun. Well, we should have buttons. What do you buttons. think it is? A value trade or value trap? It sounds, sounds like a trap. Uh, trapish side. I, I said, I I'll go on the trapish side. Yeah. I mean, right. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just we need someone know, to say trap, It's not that exciting Brian. to me. 
It's a trap uh, for Brian. Trade. Oh, trap. Yes, trap. Oh. That's the one. Thank you. Such a simple, simple That, that services premise. business is a $30 billion number now. It's, it, I don't know how you can argue that this is anything but a value trade with Apple. And what was really important is that guys talking about 200 and what did you say, 240 bucks? 241 to be exact. 241. We were just talking about that number that gets you to a trillion dollars. And now you everyone. You have to believe in the growth of the services business for you to believe that's a value trade. No, I think that it is a it is a business where there is a refresh cycle, where it's still dependent on iPhone sales. But I think that services number is is increasing dramatically. Okay. Enough to offset whatever dependence they had on on, on the hardware. on the actual hardware. All right. Walmart's yeah. the next stock. Ah. This one is for BK. Uh -oh. Walmart's down three percent on the year. Forward P.E. of 20, but surging of late. So value trade or value trap? So I'm going to go with value trap uh -huh. on this. And this is this is a name I like last year. And this is more uh, of a, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull in a would you rather. There. It's more of because I would rather be in Target. Primarily because Walmart 20 times, trade, 20, trading at 20 times next year, they've gone through their transition. Yes, they're doing capital spending. It is getting traction. But, but Target is just starting. They're trading at 15, 16 times next year. Also, I get a better dividend. So to me, Walmart is the trap. Target is the trade, wow. value style. A game within a game, yes, like exactly. a production. Multiple, well, very meta. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be very clear on this. Absolutely value trap. Walmart relative to itself, huh. long-term history, it's a value trap. Relative to the other players that you're trying to actually compare it to, wow. I think even Amazon looks cheap relative to Walmart, <laughs> relative to itself. So what I mean by that is, people are calling this a tech company, et cetera, et cetera. Look. Uh, I like the fact that their online business is, is able to compete. Of course it does. They are competing with about five other major competitors in the U.S. and everyone globally. But they're the only one who can compete. Market. I, you they're know, the only one who can compete can, with this, Amazon. The stock's I, way too expensive. I, I think that the people that say that Amazon is too pricey on whatever valuation don't get to say that with Walmart. Walmart has proven to be the only competitor to an Amazon, and I think that they're in the target scope right now, which is a little short-term weakness, uh -huh. ultimately it's but a value the, trade. The point that Tim is making is that compared to itself, compared to itself, the P.E. looks rich, the forward P.E. looks rich right now. So are you making the case that you need to re-rate the stock? I think you need to re-rate it. I think there's growth ahead. I, I think that you're, you could see an expansion of, um, you could see multiple expansion because they're where you're going to see growth and no one associated Walmart with a growth name. You know what? I, I can't believe I'm about to say this because I've been on BK's side, and I happen to agree with BK, but I say it's value and why I know. Value trade. Say it right, trade. guy. What did I say wrong? You just said value. Value That's trade. Right. Thank yeah. you. Is there a graphic that it and it's a fast pitch, a too, by the right. way? Yeah. We're going to do one later. We're going to do a power pitch yeah. later, but it's not going to be Walmart. Yeah. And I'll say that their comps were up 4.5% in the U.S. So it was the best in like 14 years, and groceries were the best comps in nine years. So maybe the value, maybe the PE won't go higher, but maybe one component of that, maybe the profits or the earnings component will continue to go higher. So maybe they'll have the same valuation with growing earnings, which means the stock can go higher. All right. Who Next knows? Up. Goldman Sachs down 5% this year, trading 10 times earnings. Tim. Well, I think Goldman is a value, it's a value trade. Can we stamp that and get oh, it out of the way? Is that right? Oh, now look who's demanding. So look, bottom line here, price to books, they trade around 1.4, 1.5 times. But that's not really how you're, you're assessing this. I think the entire financial sector has been under a lot of pressure. We know it trades cheap to the rest of the, uh, of the gicks, as we say. Uh, I think Goldman is a place that people are still waiting to see how they operate in a new world order. Um, I think that new world order 
really helps Goldman Sachs. Less regulation. These guys are financial engineers. I want to own, I want to own Goldman at this level. Your beloved Goldman Sachs guy. It is beloved to me. Called a trap by Tim. No, he didn't say. He didn't say oh, it was Trey, a trap. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're now playing the game wrong. <laughs> you got to pay attention. Tim said value trade. The graphics. Sorry. I went out of my way to make went, that clear. You're right. You're right. You're right. right. At the top of the show. I just no. I agree. I'm kidding. Around. <laughs> no, I think it's all about price to book. You know, I think I was talking to Tim earlier. 194 was a book value last quarter. You put a 1.8 multiple on that, which is to me reasonable in this environment. You have a 350 dollars stock. It's not going there tomorrow, but I think if it gets anywhere close to where J.P. Morgan is trading in terms of price to book, the stock is a buy. It's hard to argue that it's not a value trade. I mean, for all, all the you're things here to do that, said, Steve. No, <laughs> I, should, I should argue with it, but I can't argue with it. It's, it, it. It is a value trade, but it might take some time. I don't think we're in the era or the seasonality for financials to perform. So I think it's going to take a little more time, but I think Would you, you cannot buy the stock? argue. Would you buy the stock? Right now? Yeah. No, nah, I'd give it a little breathing room. I don't think well, financials that sounds like where a you trap want to be. To me. I, sounds, I actually do it think it's like a trap. Right. You're saying it's it's right. the multiple is <laughs> You know, but it might take a long time wouldn't. for the stock to work out. I'm really convicted like, with the value yeah, trade. You know? Total so I would call it a trap, though, for exactly the reasons that Steve was saying. So to me, there's got to be several things that go right for Goldman to go higher. Maybe we need more volatility. Maybe we need a melt-up and you get some more M&A. Every piece of their business has to go better here. So I think it's fine, but to me, just buying it here without seeing any traction there, it's a trap. Can I try to just try to, to get BK onto our side of the ledger? Okay, go ahead. Quickly. Try. I'm just yeah. going to say one. Yeah, yeah. They, they have a cryptocurrency desk, BK. Ooh. They do have a cryptocurrency yeah, that's desk. That's what I'm talking yes, about. It's, it's a very small portion of the desk, it's, though. It's a, very, it's a very small portion of... Uh, what they're doing. But, you know, it does get me excited. <laughs> All right. Look at them. Last but not least, Micron, up 27% this year, trading at four and a half times earnings. Steve, what do you say? This is sort of an easy one. It's dependent on DRAM pricing. And if you look back to May, it's made a series of uh, lower highs. This is DRAM. I think that ultimately there will be a flood of DRAM on the market. You might get a quarter, but it is a value trap to me. Who agrees with Grasso? I do. You do? I do. Value trap. And I know that sees, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed Steve was out there with that because I think that's a contrarian view. People look at Micron, they look at that multiple, and they look at some of the other semis, and they say, oh, wow, this company is very, very cheap. But if DRAM is arguably under some pressure and NAN is rolling over, I don't want to own the stock right now. And we've seen this with Micron. At times when people are questioning the commoditized portion of their business, get out of the way. I'm out of the way. I'm going to throw, I'm gonna throw a wrinkle would you rather? Would you rather? No, no, no. Oh, no. I'm going to pull out something that wasn't game? Right. on the initial rundown. The S&P 500, oh. value trade or value trap? Because mm. that's oh, what the folks at home oh. are thinking right now with the S&P at records. Guy Dami, what do you with, say? If rates are going to rise, and this is a point Tim's made, I think it gets the S&P 500 is getting expensive. And that's not a reason to go out and sell the market. I mean, markets can get more expensive. We've seen that before. But... I don't. Th I think it's more value trap here than value. My opinion. Uh, Is that the yeah, right? Yeah. Well, here's right? what. Here's my view. I think that we could have a melt higher. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it's value. There's a value in it, but I do think that the market could melt higher. So I would just trade it. I think without the value part. If can I do it's that? A trade. Can I? Yeah. Can I we split it up? We don't have the graphics, like a, but yeah, you can verbally say that. I mean, I am a Wall Street guy. I can tranche it. Trade. Uh, it's got to be a value trade. If you think it's going up, it's got to be a value trade. And I do believe right. there's going to be a performance chase going into the year end. We have a bunch of uh, targets in the S&P. Earnings are intact. Consumer confidence is at 18-year highs. Everything that you look at as any other metrics, 
is bullish for the market. It's a value I, I think trade. that you can believe that it goes higher without it being a value here. So how would we do that, Mel? Because no. I'm trying really hard to play the game, and I don't know how to do that. Because <laughs> no, I think I mean, it's but going if that's, higher. If that, but is that what you think, though? I think, look, I, I, I want to say um, value trap because I think ultimately the S&P in a rising rate environment is going to see a multiple contraction. However, I think relative to itself, the S&P is actually very attractive because we are in a very strong earnings season, and I think there's more momentum to go. I think the market is higher between now and year end, uh, except for the fact that I think key metrics are very expensive. All right. Coming up, check out shares of the one hot pot stock of the day. Tilray, the stock has tripled from its IPO. It is soaring after hours. And Tim Seymour says there is one thing the CEO just said about the company that you got to hear. Plus, President Trump just moments ago taking on the largest social media stocks, Facebook, Google, and Twitter, and it's not his first attack on the tech world. We will tell you what it could mean for the group. And later, it is a food fight, but it might be no competition. Grubhub is soaring. Campbell's Soup getting crushed. We'll explain what is behind the changing of the guard. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. President Trump taking aim at Google and social media companies today. Julia Borson's in L.A. with the latest. Julia. That's right, Melissa. President Trump going on the attack on Silicon Valley giants. Take a listen. They better be careful because you're, you can't do that to people. You can't do it. We have tremendous, we have literally thousands and thousands of complaints coming in. And you just can't do that. So I think that Google and Twitter and Facebook, they're really treading on very, very troubled territory, and they have to be careful. It's not fair to large portions of the population. All three companies he mentioned trading down about 1% today. Now, this comes after this morning the president tweeted that Google and others are suppressing voices of conservatives and that, quote, Google search results for Trump News shows only the viewing reporting of fake news media. In response to those tweets, Google saying, quote, when users type queries into the Google search bar, our goal is to make sure they receive the most relevant answers in a matter of seconds. Search is not used to set a political agenda, and we don't bias our results towards any political ideology. Every year, we issue hundreds of improvements to our algorithms to ensure they surface high-quality content in response to users' queries. We continually work to improve Google search, and we never rank search results to manipulate political sentiment. Now, this all comes after on Friday, President Trump lashed out at Silicon Valley, saying, quote, social media giants are silencing millions of people. And, of course, we're looking ahead to next week. Google, Facebook, and Twitter are right now preparing to testify. That's coming up on Capitol Hill next Wednesday. Melissa? All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Borson in Los Angeles. You know, I was talking to Ed Lee over the New York Times today about this. 
and he was saying that you know we don't really know how these algorithms work. For mo for the most part, it is a block black box. Um, they issue all sorts of updates, hundreds of updates every year. We don't know how this works. So is there even a point? Could you even make the case? Because we don't know how the al algorithms work. You could easily... Of course you can make the case. You can make any case. You don't know who's programming the algorithms. If, if there's a person who has liberal tendencies or right-wing tendencies, you don't know how that algorithm is programmed. So you can make the case. Is it a long-term case? Is it credible to, the, to affect the stock? I don't think longer term you could affect the stock but yes you can make the case. but is this a security issue where these companies can actually be i wouldn't call them hacks or attacks but if if, if there's an outside force that's able to manipulate the search um, that means that the company ultimately really is in control of its product what's its product oh, wait, is it Again, an outside force data. or the inside well that's the, the problem there's both force. the inside okay, that's well, the problem they have it's both it's outside inside and inside influences come against it and then what do you do there's not really a very good solution that's why the stocks are in trouble okay but it, and so if it's inside, it's even worse. I guess the point I would like to continue to make about Facebook and, and I guess Google and I think to a lesser extent Twitter, but they certainly belong in the same camp, is that I think these companies don't really know the cost of security to their sites. Therefore, as an investor, how do you even know what the margins are going to be? Mark Zuckerberg could not tell us the new cost of Facebook. They just told us that the services and, and, and ultimately the costs on security were going to go significantly higher. That's not a company that just needs some programmers to kind of tinker around with their sharing network. That means a company that no longer knows exactly what their business costs are. That, to me, is a big deal. That's why Facebook has done absolutely nothing. Most people thought, oh, it'll bounce. What a major move. Stock's down from earnings, okay? So I, I don't think it's going to suddenly rebound. Yeah, the one that scares me the most out of the three is Facebook for all the reasons that mm. Tim just said. You know, I think, there's a, I think there is a chance that you retest that level we saw during the uh, Zuckerberg testimony on Capitol Hill, 150-ish or so. I think the one that has the most upside from here, given the sell-off, is Twitter. But I think the one that's most compelling on valuation, given all these things, is Google. I, you well, know, I can, the president can talk all he wants, but on a valuation basis, Google's the most Google, Google, to me, though, has the biggest risk of all this, up 18% year-to-date, because search is their bread and butter, and they, and they are the gorilla in the room. So if anything comes off of that incrementally, if those algorithms, we saw when Facebook screwed around with their search and screwed around with their algorithms, if Google does it, and it hurts even incrementally. It's hurting on their major source of income. I guess you have to either decide whether Google's algorithm in and of itself would be threatened by it. Could they le legislate an algorithm? I don't know how easy that would be. Or you, you go on the other side of it and you have Twitter and Facebook that are shutting down fake accounts or phony accounts. And we don't know how many accounts there are out there. And so Mark Zuckerberg can say that we shut down 900. And we don't know if that's the tip of the iceberg or if that's almost all of them. We don't know how to model Which that. Is I mean, why I think, they're, they're look, calculations that are hard to do, but you have to do as an investor. Which is why I think Facebook, again, to Tim's point, is under, could be under scrutiny and the stock under pressure. And I understand what Steve is saying, but I, I, if we get into an environment where the government regulates Google, I think we have bigger problems. I don't think they're regulating. I'm just down. saying that if they can prove that whoever's writing these algorithms that are supposed to be for the masses to find credible searches but, has an agenda... That could be, that's problematic. Yeah. But, but of the three stocks, to me, I think I agree with Guy. Twitter has the most upside here, right? Because it, it is in this, in, in a different way. They've also had the benefit of hindsight or being able to see what Zuckerberg did with Facebook. They've addressed it in a different way. I just think really simply, and yeah. it's a long story, so I'll say it quickly. I, I, I think the president commenting on this when we don't have facts that that's what's happening makes me sound like a, an emerging market. Check out shares of hot pot stock Tilray flying high after its first earnings report. This after a massive surge. And the CEO just said something that's got Tim Seymour even more excited about the stock. He'll tell us what that is 
I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money and CNBC First in Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. I never have to ring the dinner bell for Timmy. His appetite is fantastic. I'll be washed up in a jiffy, Mom. Except Jimmy isn't eating Campbell's anymore. And we'll give you the company that is cashing in on Jimmy's changing habits. Plus, Pete's bringing the heat, pitching one surging Dell stock that he says is about to soar off the Trump trade deals. That name when Fast Money returns. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert. Check out shares of Potsdam Tilray. It is the company's first earnings report as a publicly traded company. It went public here at the Nasdaq. The first pure play marijuana stock to hit one of the major U.S. exchanges. The CEO just did an interview on the closing bell, and our own cannabis king couldn't believe his ears. So we're going to play a new game. Listen up. It's called Not So Fast. We're going to roll the soundbite for Tim here. Okay. And when he wants to jump into comment, he just says... Not so fast. So you'll see this graphic come up, and we'll uh, pause the interview. Tim will uh, jump in, give us his deep thoughts. So, Tim, are you ready? Yeah, I think I can do this. Okay, let's oh. go. <laughs> let's listen. You know, once in, once in your lifetime, if you're lucky, you see an entire industry emerge from scratch, uh, seemingly overnight. And that's what we're seeing right here. We're seeing a $150 billion industry globally transition from a state of prohibition to a state of legalization. Not so and fast. While at first not so fast. All right. So this is really key. Ultimately, first of all, he talked about 150 billion. I think that's conservative. I think as you get into the medical marijuana and the biopharma elements, that market is small. By the way, one of the reasons why Tilray gets such a premium is these guys have global brands. In fact, you know, Marley, Marley Natural, Leafly is, a, is an online website with 14 million subscribers. They can speak to that global opportunity. That's why this is very interesting. Let's keep listening, I guess. First look, on. you might want to judge companies in the industry um, based on agriculture or, or growing a commodity product. That's really not what the industry is going to look like five years from now. Uh, I think most products will be in form factors that look more similar to other pharmaceuticals or other CPG products. People will drink cannabis. People will 
uh, drink cannabis instead of a beer. Uh, they'll drink a product that uh, has zero or no, or zero or few calories and no hangover, and they'll drink it instead of a, a beer and a wow, bar. Wow, not or so, at not their so home. fast. That, that, that's amazing. So when I listen to that, so he's basically saying that ultimately cannabis-infused beverages could replace alcohol. Yes. I mean, I think that's extraordinary. I, what I would choose to say is I think when people look at what's going on here, some of the biggest consumer products companies in the world, and I mean Procter & Gamble could be knocking on the door at some point because this is really the story here. And so when you've heard about Diageo, you've heard about Constellation Brands, what he's referring to, and he's absolutely right, um, is that people's consumption tastes are changing. Anyone who thinks that they understand how people are consuming now versus how they will consume cannabis, edibles infused things, medicine, you name it, I don't think they do know. That's why it's such an exciting time. So let's roll on. Uh, they may eat uh, a product in the form of a chocolate bar or an edible uh, or consume a pill. And so that's where the, the value is. It, it's in the intellectual property of these other form factors and other delivery mechanisms. Yeah. I mean, again, fascinating. And the fact that these guys beat on sales, which is really exciting because these have not been profitable companies, Mel. And ultimately, these guys, if you listen to Cowan, who seems to be the axe in the space, they say that they could be EBITDA break-even by 2019. Their sales will probably go tenfold by 2021. And again, it's a global brand with some very high-powered investors, let's, let's face it, privateer. I mean, these guys can help these guys navigate this entire capital market spectrum. That's why the stock's moving. So 14%, Gross, you've been getting into this space, right? So Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm in Canopy. I'm in CGC. But obviously, the troublesome thing that when you look at it, it's $10 million worth of sales in the second quarter, and it's approaching on, on Tilray. It's approaching a $5 billion market cap. But this is a growth area, so you can't put those normal metrics or the fundamentals overlay on it. This is not, these are not value. These are growth names. This is, and if, if it's a $150 billion market, I'm happy with that. If Tim says it's bigger than that, then the growth is even more spectacular than we all think. Yeah, the other part of it here is you only have a few ways to play it here in the U.S. So if you want to get exposure to this, you only have a couple names here. So I'm with Tim. I think this could be a huge, huge market from multiple different levels. So I'm a buyer on the dips. You know, if Tilray got backed around 50 or so, I don't know if it's going to get there. But if it did, I'd be a buyer. What's the market cap on a, on a Tilray or so? We're, we're, we're now about we're close to $5 billion. All right. So, I mean, this is a case where, look where this stock was a week and a half ago, the, the whole week has been transformative, so uh, exciting time. I wonder if at some point, if it, when it gets big enough, it could be included in an index. I mean, it's a U.S.-listed stock, and there aren't too many, and so there's that factor, They too. were the first U.S. IPO, IPO in right. cannabis, and, and meanwhile, Canopy, you know, $13 billion. I mean, there's, there's massive. Can I just say something? What's today? Tuesday, right? Tuesday. Yesterday's Monday. So yesterday, Tim did something at the, what is that thing? The, the telestrator? The plasma. Where he was like an ESPN draft. Remember, and he moved things moved over the to logo, the can. And then yeah. tonight, he stopped the guy in mid I mean, I can't wait to see what he does tomorrow night. It's, I mean, it's some, wow. I mean, it's a week of Tim. He's going to walk on water tomorrow. I mean, I'm, oh, maybe I revealed too much. Yeah, he's oh. quite the pothead <laughs> fox. <laughs> All right, so ahead. It is the ultimate food fight. Grubhub eating Campbell's Soup's lunch this year, officially passing it in market cap and in the process revealing a big investable trend. We will explain. Plus, it's a very special fast pitch. Pete Najarian joining us from the exotic locale, <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota, to pitch one of the worst performing Dow stocks this year that he says is about to make a major turnaround. Flat Pete, he's all fired up. Look at him. He's so flat. Find out about the name <laughs> after the break.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for an instant replay. In February, Pete said it was time to bet on United Health. When you go across the entire story of what's going on right now with United Health, yes, it got up here pretty high. It was near this 250 level right here. It had a little bit of a pullback. It's about 6% off of those highs. I think this is a name very much like Humana January last year that screamed higher. I think this can go closer towards 300. Not quite a 300 yet, but it was a good call. The stock is up 15% since then. So Pete joins us from exotic Minneapolis, Minnesota. So what do you do with United <laughs> yeah. Health now, Pete? I still love the stock. I actually got out very recently, Mel, just last week, as a matter of fact. I, I like the stock, but it, it's made the moves. 300, I was hoping to see 300. I don't know. I look at the market right now, and I, I like what I see in the overall broad market. Obviously, we're at new highs. I just wonder if we're, we're sort of setting up for some sort of a pullback sooner or later. And because of that, there were a lot of names in the last week or two that I've, I've finally exited out of. I like, I like what they're doing. Minnesota Company, they've done everything right, so there's no complaints. I just wonder if... Is it a little bit stretched right now if I look at the valuation? I kind of decided yes, and so I wanted to put my money elsewhere. All right. Well, Pete, you got the hot hand clearly, so what's your next home run idea? <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the names that I wanted to put my, myself into is a name that's been beaten down. You talked about it uh, coming into this, but Caterpillar. And I like Caterpillar because if you start off with the management perspective, how about the fact that this guy who's now running the company, Jim Uppleby, he has been there since 1980. He is a lifer who's been at Caterpillar. He's part of everybody. Everybody knows who he is. They, they, he's worked at every, every different sort of aspect of the business that he could. And because of that, I think he has a lot of respect. If you look over the first, he's been there a year and a half. The first six quarters, he's, pretty, he's beat on earnings and he's beat on revenue. I mean, he's beaten on the top and the bottom. He's doing everything right and his focus is on growth. The interesting part about this company is from a fundamental perspective, when you look at where they are right now, the fact that they trade at basically call it an 11 or a 12 PE on the forward side. I think that says a lot about how inexpensive they are versus the rest of the competition there. They give you a dividend yield, which is very, very nice as well. And the buybacks over the last five years, they've reduced their stock by about almost 10%, just a little bit under 10%. So I look at that aspect of it, but I always focus on the growth once you get the fundamentals and you like what's going on with management. Growth right now, look at the earnings. Three years ago, 2016, they were earning $3 a share. The year after that, 2017, they got it towards six. Now they're going to earn some somewhere between 10 and 11. They've nearly tripled or more than tripled what they're doing. So earnings growth, revenue growth is 26% this past quarter. They have an incredible backlog, and that's growing as well. $3 billion added to the, to the present backlog, so now it's over $17 billion. I think there's a lot of reasons right now to see Caterpillar, and you say, you know what, maybe it starts to move back towards those other highs that it had up in the 170s from where it is right now. Hey, Pete. First of all, nice to see you. Exotic yeah. port of call, as you. usual. Um, look, I, I tend to agree with the thesis here. What worries me about Caterpillar is that the valuation relative to the S&P is a discount. And when we've seen this in the past, it's usually been the harbinger of bad things to come. Are you worried about kind of this, this earnings cut that is implied by the valuation? You know, uh, no, Tim. I, I, matter of fact, when you looked at what they said in their most recent earnings report and the guidance that they gave, 
it seems pretty strong. And when you look at their business model right now, 50% North America, a lot of that is construction related. I think if, if we believe what we are hearing from Washington, D.C., and a lot of the work that's going to go into that field, I think that could be even a bigger growth factor going forward than it has been already. Now, they've got 50% international, obviously, as well. So there are certain pockets where I think we might see a little weakness, but I think there are other pockets where we'll see some strength. Oil and gas, you talk about a lot of these names all the time. That's one of the areas where I think they actually see a lot more growth into the future. So I think there are areas that might be weaker, but I think the strength is going to go overcome that. And if you look at these earnings, they are absolutely spectacular. I still think it's just too cheap, uh, too cheap right now, Tim. I think it's a great opportunity. Hey, Pete, how much credibility do you put into the China tariff trade wars uh, have reached mm. peak? And now into your analysis of CAT, what are you looking as mm. far as percentage weighting on that? Is that is that somewhat of a catalyst for you? Because it seems to me the stock popped yesterday and, I, and it's held yep. those levels today all on trade. Right. Yeah. Well, we all know that that's probably the one aspect of the markets that's going to be a question mark for a, probably a while. But I think we're starting to feel a little bit better. Right, Steve? I mean, what happened the other day with President Trump and what, what the workings with Mexico? And is that going to start to see in other areas in, in terms of tariffs and how we're going to deal with a lot of this trade talk? I tend to think that the negotiation's working. And if, if, if I'm right about that, there are a lot of stocks that have been held down that I think have a lot of room to the upside. All right. Um, time to vote on Pete's pitch, which is on a company, Caterpillar, which is not based in Minnesota, which is shocking. Um, but let's Chicago. go, Tim. Close, I guess. Tim, what do you say? I'm a buyer. That's actually Pete driving his uh, Tonka truck yeah. right there. I actually think mining recovery has been slow, but it's happening. I'm a buyer, Pete. Beakers. Thanks. Yeah, you know what? I'm with Pete. He's way out there in Fargo, which is in the middle of the, the breadbasket there. He knows tractors. <laughs> so I go and buy. <laughs> well, Pete was pitching cap, but he came loaded for bear. I'm going to go with a buy on that one. Nice job, Pete. Wow. Three buys. Thank you, Steve. Guy, is it a clean sweep? What do you say? <laughs> Can I go say hi to Pete? Because I haven't seen him in a while. That's not, I mean, that's a plasma. Uh, I'm going to go over oh, and okay. walk over. All right, go ahead. Fine. Pete, just wave. I want to just wait. I want to say cat. Say yeah. hi, Pete. I want to say 10 billion authorization starting Jan 1st. An additional $4 billion left on this buyback. Oh, yeah. So I say Pete looks good with that goat. So I say buy. Oh. Wow. <laughs> A lot of love here on the desk, Pete, for you, for your pitch on cat. Yeah. Buys all around the horn. But we want to hear from you. Vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. Results later on oh. in the show. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> Plus, it yep, is the eSports yep. king of the court, the winners, the winners of the NBA 2K Finals. They are here at the NASDAQ market site to talk gaming's first ever NBA championship and the future of eSports. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's been 45 years since the Knicks last took home an NBA championship, a traditional NBA championship anyway. But over the weekend, the Knicks actually got their game on and did the home crowd proud by winning the NBA's first ever eSports League Finals. Josh Lipton's in San Francisco with all the details. Hey, Josh. 
Mel, the first season of the NBA 2K League has ended after four months of competition in Long Island City, New York. This is the official eSports League created by the NBA and game publisher Take-Two Interactive, in which NBA franchises form and manage teams that compete at a version of Take-Two's popular NBA 2K video game. This year's champion, crowned on Saturday, Knicks Gaming, which knocked off Heat Check Gaming, taking home a pot of $300,000 split among the team. Remember, the gamers in this league, 102 in all, are paid a salary of up to $35,000 for a six-month contract, as well as some perks, including free housing and training. In all, these players competed for $1 million in prize money this season, and of course, the opportunity to promote their own personal brands, chance to become social media stars in their own right. So how many people watched? Well, the league tells me that toward the end of the regular season, an average of 300,000 unique viewers watch individual broadcasts. This league is still very young, of course, but growing. Four new teams affiliated with the Hawks, Nets, Lakers, and Timberwolves are joining the league, too, bringing the total number to 21 teams. Melissa, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks so much. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Well, New York, you've got our next guest to thank for bringing the trophy home. Nate Cowell joins us now. He's a small forward on the Knicks gaming team who was named tournament MVP, making him the king of the eSports court. Nate, yeah. congratulations to you. Congratulations to the team. Um, what, what made your team stand out so much this year? Yeah, so I think our team, more, than, more so than other teams, we had to fight through a lot of adversity. We, we started off pretty bad, pretty awful. Um, but we sort of fought through and we ended up winning a tournament uh, called the Ticket Tournament. And when we won that, uh, it, it propelled us to make the playoffs and then, and then so on. And then we ended up winning the championship. So. What does MVP mean for you personally? Yeah. Uh, not just the, the honor of it, but also sponsorships and, and sort of your, your future salary. Yeah. So, I mean, it means a lot. Um, I, I didn't go into the finals, uh, you know, trying to go for it or anything. It, it kind of just occurred naturally. Um, but it was really all my teammates at the end of the day. Uh, they believed in me to make plays, um, especially defensively. Um, they needed me in that series, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, I actually heard you were kind of a cancer in the clubhouse. So that actually, you know, you, you no. <laughs> Obviously, you, you've been crushing it. Yeah. How important is that chemistry between the guys and, and ultimately um, – do you guys consider yourself athletes? I know that's an, you know, right. possibly an obnoxious thing to ask, sure. but some people don't really think of it that way. Sure. So I, I think, you know, when you look at us, I think what we do takes a lot of skill. Um, I think there's an art form to it, and uh, especially mentally, right? So a lot of preparation, a lot of time goes into it, and, um, yeah, it, it takes a lot out of us for sure. Um, so yeah, apparently there are 35 to 60,000 concurrent viewers watching um, the Grand Finals on Twitch. What are you expecting for... There will be a second season. So what, how are you expecting this to unfold? Are you going to stick with this? Um, do you think that viewership, do you feel like the viewership is expanding, the interest is expanding in this? Yeah, so me personally, I'm gonna, I plan on sticking with it. Um, I have a lot of faith that the league is going to continue to grow, uh, especially over the next few years. I mean, th this was the first year of its kind, the inaugural season. So I think it's going to continue to grow and continue to get better uh, and, and continue to reach out to, to different um, you know, groups of, of people that are interested in, in the sport itself. So. So, Nate, I know a lot of other gamers, they, yeah. the, the lifespan of a gamer is relatively short, right? Sure. Is that different in the NBA league, and, and can you see an expansion that way? I, I think it could be different, yeah. I think that this league is unique in that it doesn't have, you know, an end limit. You know, it's, it's not just one or two tournaments. It's an entire season. Um, you know, you have, obviously, a lot of teams that are interested in this league. We have four more teams uh, that got added on this season. So I think that the lifespan can be kind of what you want it to be, and, and hopefully it's a long one for me. 
I got a quick question. We had that guy, what's his name, Steve? Remember him, the good-looking guy? He had us on the show from the Sixers. You want to talk some smack to him? Because they were supposed to win something. They won nothing. Steve's is a good Why don't you say something in the camera right there? Say say, say something nasty. Come on, man. (laughs) No, nothing. Steve's is is my guy. He's a good dude. Uh, He he plays for the 76ers. He's he's a good guy. Nothing bad to say about him. Um, That's class. That's why he's the MVP. He's sportsmanship right there. They they got to the semifinals. So, yeah, we we almost played him in the championship. It was close. I know that you guys uh, know what happened in Jacksonville, Florida in terms of the shooting. How do you think that's going to change tournaments, change the way people go to tournaments in the future? Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously that was, you know, a tragedy to say that, you know, I mean, thoughts and prayers to the families. Um, I think that, especially in our league, I think that security is is a very big thing, and I think it's only going to increase. Brendan Donahue has made it, you know, very, very prevalent that it's going to matter a lot and that, uh, you know, our security in our league is important. And I think more importantly, security across any esports leagues or tournaments um, is extremely important. All right, Nate, thank you so much. Congratulations, Nate Collin. By the way, the team is here. Congratulations. They've got yeah, a, guys. a beautiful yeah, trophy to celebrate well here again. We needed it, man. How many times you can say uh, congratulations just, to the Knicks? So we're going to say it today. <laughs> All right, still ahead. Food delivery service Grubhub on track for its best ever year, blowing traditional food stocks out of the water. We've got all the details. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. More fast right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Consumer staple stocks getting crushed this year, but there is one name that is winning the food fight. Grubhub, the delivery service stock, up nearly 100% in 2018, on track for its best year ever. Dom's in the newsroom, breaking it all down. Hey, Dom. Well, Melissa, when it comes to eating, it's been really a food fight between food stocks. And maybe one telling example lies within the trading action we've seen in shares of Campbell's Soup versus, say, Grubhub. Both companies, of course, there to help customers have a more convenient dining experience. And investors are at maybe a bit of a crossroads of sorts. Like many other consumer staples companies, Campbell's has been struggling to tell its story and to get investors excited about its future growth prospects, if there are any there to be had. It's reached a stage where activist investor Dan Loeb and his third point hedge fund have taken a stake in Campbell's and they're pushing for change, maybe even a possible sale of the company. Shares of Campbell have now lost around 17 percent of their value just on a year to date basis, and it pushed its market cap down to around 12 billion dollars. Meanwhile, you've got Grubhub, that e-commerce platform that really exists to connect restaurants to diners, help them get their food picked up or even delivered. Earlier this year, you may recall Grubhub announced that big partnership with fast food giant Yum Brands that involved a $200 million investment in it, as well as a Yum exec joining its board of directors. Shares of Grubhub, conversely, have nearly doubled just so far this year, which makes it worth over $12 billion. And Melissa... The question becomes, will traditional consumer staples companies be able to adapt to survive and thrive against faster growing food related rivals? At least for right now, it looks like the new food trade is outperforming the old food trade. Back over to you guys. All right, Dom, thanks. Dom Chu in the newsroom. Question here. Uh-huh. When was the last time, Tim, you opened a can of Campbell's soup? Um, let's see. Probably when I kicked the slats out of my cradle. I, I don't know. It's been a long time. And when was the last time you ordered in? Uh, three nights ago. All right. So does that encapsulate Boom. this trade? No. I, I mean, I love Campbell's soup. The chunky stuff that you get the can open or you open that stuff, put it in for about 30 seconds. And Maybe you put not, the can right? in the microwave, guy? No, I don't put the can in the microwave. <laughs> Maybe you're not the right person to ask. Of course I'm not the right person to ask. <laughs>
But it's a, they are turning a corner. They're trying to make it a more healthier food choice. Right. And I'm sure we've eaten stuff from Campbell's that's not in that Campbell's jar or can, I should say. Sure, sure. So there's been there's, there's sauces, there's biscuits, frozen there's food, a bunch of frozen thing. foods. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of other aspects than the one that we all associate okay. the Andy Warhol with. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's the change is where you're going to make money in stock. So when this company starts to turn things around, that's the unanticipated change. So now I've got an activist in there. They are potentially going to change things. So, you know, to me, this is a value trade. Oh. See how I did that? I brought bookended it. Yeah, yeah. Ex you're expelling, you're expecting again. Campbell's soup to turn it around. I mean, I'm sorry? I mean, yeah. you know, look, the bottom That's line is. That's what they're doing. I, I think, well, it's I think 20 it's. 20% since th June. I think yeah. it's apples and oranges. Ultimately, this is the mechanism for possibly getting your, your tomato can guy. Um, but, but ultimately, I think it tells you who owns the consumer, is who gets the valuation and the multiple in Grubhub. While it seems silly, um, ultimately, these guys clearly control the consumer. So you would rather, I would rather if we rather. could play that game as well. We just did. Faded. There you go. No, no, that, that's oh. just no faded. It's the wrong game. Oh, wrong I'm game. with Tim right. on this one. Yeah. The daily, they call them the people that get the Grubhub, they call them grubs. So oh, is that what it is? I don't even know Come that. On. Are no, you I serious? I, I listened to the call. They call them the grubs, and okay. the grubs were up 35%. Year over year. So to Tim's point, although valuation on a price to earnings multiple seems high, their growth in terms of grubs and other metrics makes sense. So I think you can actually stay with this thing. Aren't grubs like little grubs live in my lawn? I don't think you're yeah. negative Grubhub, though. I, I wasn't negative was Grubhub. Yeah. You know, and I, I by just, the way, Square, I would rather Campbell right, pork right. and beans. Square yeah. has a food delivery business of that's its own, true. and that's up 133% year to date, still long. All right. Uh, Campbell's expected to report earnings later this week, and the options market is implying some pretty interesting moves on the results. Let's get to Mike Coe in San Francisco with more. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so this was a name that did see double the average call volume today, and it's also implying a pretty big move, especially for a consumer staple food stock like Campbell's is, implying a move of about 8% one way or the other by after they report earnings. Uh, what's interesting, though, is we saw some longer-dated call buying. We saw a large purchase of the January 45 call. Somebody paid a dollar and a quarter for 5,000 of those. So that's making a bullish bet that the stock is going to be higher than $45 by at least the $1.25 that they paid. That's up about 16% or so from where the stock currently closed. And the other interesting thing I would point out about this, you know, from a price-to-earnings perspective, Campbell's is cheap. On an enterprise value basis, not as cheap because they've taken on a lot of debt in the last couple of years. So I think using options to make a bullish bet on this stock is probably the best way to play it. Let's let's bring Mike in on this uh, oh, game. Oh, sure. We'll do uh, Would You Rather, hmm. Campbell's Soup or Grubhub, Mike? Uh, you know, I kind of like Campbell's Soup simply because there is a bit of leverage on the balance sheet and there's room for improvement. It is trading relatively cheap on a price-to-earnings basis. Not a lot of things are right now. It's trading about 14 times. And, of course, we were talking about, you know, it's got soup in the name, but it's only about a third of their revenues. Yeah. So, you know, Cape Cod chips, things like this. There's a lot of places where people are still consuming their products and they have room for improvement. And I think that's what Dan Loeb's playing for, and that's why I would, too. All right, Mike, thanks. Mike Coe in San Francisco. Clearly not a grub. Options action. <laughs> Check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, we have the results of the poll and whether or not you're voting for Pete's pitch on Cat and the final trace. You may be wondering just what exactly does Pete Najarian do on his lengthy trip to beautiful Minnesota? He listens to marathon sessions of Tony Braxton's oh. Unbreak My Heart while driving to Home Depot. Oh. And those are just the facts, Jack Pete. Sorry. Just the facts.
That's okay. You lost. <laughs> You're taking it well, though, Pete. Good to see you. I appreciate that, Mel. Pete Najarian, <laughs> the great state of Minnesota. Time for the final trade. Tim. I'm a fan of MLPs. Transportation differentials in the Permian, all-time highs. Looks great here for refiners okay. and MLPs. BK. You know what looks like it wants to break out? It's them small cap biotechs. IBB is the way to play that. Grasso. Car, Avis budget. Bye. Geek. God awful song, but Xilinx is breaking out, sister. That does it for us. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more fast. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.